find that inspiration within yourself because you inspire others. Mm -hmm. And if you inspire yourself and you recognize that inspiration, that can be the most impactful thing on the planet. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the PASS Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, I am super excited because I get to, to speak with really amazing people in the world of transformative education. And today is no different, except for the fact that today I am live on site in Australia. Uh, so super excited to, to be in a completely new country having the conversation. And joining me today is Miriam Bernard, who is a deputy principal of senior school at Unity Grammar. So Miriam, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. And just to set a little bit of context, I had the pleasure, and it was a true pleasure, of meeting Miriam in Japan, which is the other reason that it's really exciting to actually be here. And I got to hear about the work that she was doing and the amazing things that are happening at Unity Grammar. And so to be able to actually come here and see the things I heard her talking about while we were all together at the Hakuba Forum is really exciting. So it's... um, you have to see it really to believe what's happening. So, Miriam, let's let's start with an overview. Tell our listeners what is Unity Grammar, what's and what makes it so special. Okay, so Unity Grammar is a K twelve uh, Islamic school. Um, what makes us so special is the ability for us to lead our curriculum by our Islamic foundation. Um, over the last few years, we've been looking at transforming our school into the future, and it's been part of um, our, our meeting in Hakuba. Um, it's been an interesting journey. Um, so we we cater for both uh, girls and boys school, um, and we go through from you know kindergarten right through to high school, where we prepare our students for the outside world. And it's it's really an interesting thing to see, and I love the fact that the it's a, it's a it's it's all the kids, the the younger kids through the senior kids, and watching them interact together, you can you walk away with a real sense of community. Um, I had uh, was fortunate to be able to tour around today, get to see the kids, um, you know, working on their projects, and just the excitement of the place. But this school, and it's obvious when you're here, because the minute you walk on the ground, you realize this is a giant construction zone. Um, So there's physical transformation that's happening, which is really critically important. But there's also um, a whole host of other transformations that are happening at this school. So talk with us a little bit about that, because your process here has been very deliberate. It has. So um, if we go back about a year and a little bit now, um, we were fortunate enough to have Dr. Said Farouk join our school and he really brought forward um, the notion of growing our school into the future. And um, for that to happen, we were actually a part of a, a bigger system whereby we looked at transforming our own vision and mission statements. So we refurbished everything that we had to um, to have a look at what we would, what it would look like moving into the future, just to sit, make sure that we were future ready if, if 
for want of a better word. In that process, it took um, a, a one turn to actually come up with or, or start to produce uh, aspects of our new vision and mission statements. And over the over the year, we've actually transformed our vision and um, vision and mission statements completely, while also looking at transforming our school to be future ready, uh, reducing new spaces as you saw mm-hmm. the stand building today, still in its infancy and still. Uh, it, it still hasn't been occupied, but you could see that there's spaces ready there to be transformed into maker spaces um, and innovative spaces. Over the last year, we've had a significant amount of change in uh, our diversity of students. Mm-hmm. So we've we've grown in diversity and in culture, and also with the buildings itself. Um, so many ideas are still coming through. We're really at the beginning of a, a massive journey, and we're you know, so grateful to have started that um, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's really remarkable being here. You know, one of the things that when I have the the privilege of being able to travel the world and talk with people in the midst of their educational transformations, you know, there are a lot of themes that come up over and over again. And one of the ones that I hear all the time is about it's it's very difficult to do. And yet it's incredibly empowering to be in the midst of it. And so I'm I'm really curious about sort of that element of the journey that Unity has gone through, because clearly what's happening here is really complex because, you know, oftentimes you'll take on a pedagogical transformation, and then you'll take on a sort of physical space transformation or vice versa. You were doing it all at once, all in one go, as you say. And so, you know, I, you know, on the one hand, it's like, wow, have they all lost their minds? And on the other hand, I, I want to celebrate that because it's, it's, it's a wow factor. And at the past foundation and the innovation lab, when we were building out the innovation lab, it was very similar to what I'm experiencing here because we didn't stop what we were doing. And yet at the same time, we were transforming and the children got to visibly see and feel and be part of the physical transformation piece. And that's happening here as well. Your kids are being part of the conversation. They're watching it happen. It's literally in their face. It's actually, um, and the way that this was birthed was um, by introducing a lot more autonomy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So obviously, as we started changing our vision and mission statements for the school and what we perceived our school to be and who we wanted it to be, um, we involved our educators within that process. So there was autonomy in that space as, as well. And then as we did that, we also invited our community and our students to be a part of that. So it wasn't um, a legacy driven by one person or one a group of people. It was actually the legacy driven by many people mm-hmm. at the school. And every aspect of all stakeholders had um, some involvement in producing what we, what we have today. Um, while we understand there is so much, and yes, absolutely, um, growing the pedagogical change and the infrastructure change has been uh, quite a lot to take on. But as you said, the students seeing this, um, they're looking at what what they what, what their future could look like, and being empowered by contributing to certain factors, like naming the building, for right, example, right. Uh, celebrating uh, different aspects of the school, um, g- growing in different. Um, you know, ways of celebrating, uh, doing competitions that involves them. So 
there's a lot of um, involvement from our students and even our community. We've also formed uh, what we call a Friends of Unity group. So our, our community is now a part of the school. We invite them to um, ask questions and be involved mm -hmm. um, in the curriculum and the pedagogical change so that when we do these changes as we as we do them, everybody's involved and everybody can grow alongside it. Now, we, we've only just started. This is a, a very new journey um, and we do anticipate that this growth will continue. And while we have a five-year um, goal and, I mean, 10-year goal and 15-year goal, I think what we would what we aim to do is make this so that it's a continuous, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's everlasting and it, it's not going to be something that's just representative of what we do, but obviously what our students will also participate in and what they do and the legacy that they leave behind for others as, as they grow. We also have ex-students who have now returned back as teachers mm -hmm. and are growing with us in, in this, in this um, process. It, yeah, it's just been an amazing journey and we, we look forward to continuously having our community, our students and our educators be on board. Um, yeah, has it been hard? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, it, nothing comes easy, but um, I think once people start to get into the flow of, you know, what it can be and, and the perception of what, we you know, what we have to look forward to, then I think it just makes it a bit easier to, to grasp. And it's and it's exciting and it's scary and it's daunting and it's a thing of celebration all at once. So, um, ab absolutely want to be able to celebrate that with you. Let's talk a little bit about mission and vision because the other thing that I found interesting as we walked and toured around today is the fact that several times it came up that. Not only was this transformation pedagogical and physical from the infrastructure standpoint, but you as an organization and as a community stepped back and said, let's also think about our purpose, our mission, and our vision. And you've, you've done some transformation work in that space as well. So, yeah. so let's start with the mission. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going to pull this up because I don't want to trip over my words because they... It's new. <laughs> it's not only new, but it's um, it's been such a it's such a collaboration that I want to make sure that I give it the justice it's, um, that it deserves. So the mission statement for, for us, and this is going back from the 15 years, I mean, we've been here for a while now mm -hmm. in, in 2004, and it's taken a lot of time to... I think realign our values to what we wanted our mission to be purely because that's what we wanted as a school right. based on, of course, our understanding of what our values were. So while we were actually creating our vision and mission statements, we were also creating our values. Mm -hmm. So the values that we wanted to uphold ourselves, our students and our community too. So the mission statements is that instills prophetic legacy in our learners, nurturing the leaders of the future with the foundational and emerging skills for an ever-evolving world. So this was something that we came together as a, a team. Um, we're talking about, we've got about 140 educators who came together, junior school and senior school educators sat down together on one table, uh, administration staff sat down, every aspect, every single staff member on the school, regardless of their duties at school, sat together on a round table and started discussing what it is that we wanted, what was what is it that we wanted the school to establish, what legacy did we want to leave behind. And making sure that we were thinking future focused. So, we, well, it's not just about being future focused. I think it's preparing the skills. Mm -hmm. of how, well, what can we give our students to have them prepared for our future? 
And so when the, when the mission statement was fine-tuned and, you know, wordsmithed and everything, we came up with, with that mission. And, and it's really important because one of our biggest things that the school that's unique is the fact that we have Islamic foundations, so prophetic values, and that allows us to actually incorporate what we understand our prophetic values to be because identity is a really massive thing. Yeah. And to be able to call yourself a Muslim, for example, mm-hmm. you understand the values of that um, mean to you and to the family and to the school sort of takes away from the importance of being part of that community. And what we wanted to do is wanted to make sure that everything that we did incorporated those values. So when we talked about for prophetic values, we talked about character. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it mean? How how you are Muslim? What is it that you do that makes you a Muslim? And we're taking that back into our curriculum as well and found, having it as being the foundation of everything that we do. So how, Miriam, does the, the, the work you did around the mission statement, and, and I love that you tapped into identity. We're going to come back to that because I agree with you. I think that is absolutely core foundational. How does mission and vision work together here? So both our vision and our mission was based on our foundation of um, our Islamic identity. And our vision statement is that our our learners are pioneers of the future, inspired by our Islamic faith, driven to achieve for the betterment of humanity. So going back to our mission statement, we were talking about emerging skills for an ever-evolving world, using those skills to better humanity, mm-hmm. using our Islamic identity to further understand um, who we are, what we are as Muslims, and of course, making sure that we we pioneer at that space, in, um, the foundations of our Islam and the mastery of our academics and anything else that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. For example, what, one of the biggest things that we try to do is make sure that when a child is um, actioning something and you know, or they make a poor choice. For example, in my space as a deputy principal, I come across a lot of students who make poor choices. And it's not because they're bad people, but it's just the choices they make right. don't necessarily correlate with who they are. And um, we tend to drive that back to, okay, well, how could we have done that better? Using the prophetic character, I mean, we talk about value and we talk about um, you know, how do we give to our uh, to our world? Um, and it's not about giving just for today, but the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, today you visited the entrepreneur, so our K-6, um, so our, our, I think it was a stage three we're having, so our year fives and six were having a, an entrepreneurial day. So our students were in, um, involved in making um, uh, objects and selling them and, you know, putting together a, a, like a small business plan with money raised would go to our Cambodia initiative, so helping others. So it's not just about what we do as a school and how we learn, but how do we then take that and help others with that information or with the funds that we raise or with our initiatives or with, our, with, our, with what we do, yeah. Yeah, and the, the the students' entrepreneurial sort of fair gathering that was going on in, in the courtyard was a lot of fun. And you could tell that the kids loved the, they, they, it, it was more than just an activity. They were clearly invested in it. And I really loved that that element of taking sort of that problem-based approach and really sort of uh, embedding it into what the student experience is. You could see the joy yeah. on those children's faces. So what 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 is the most tangible, difficult element of transformation from Miriam's experience, because I want to dig in a little bit to to Miriam, because you have a science background, you've worked in industry, mm-hmm. and you've come to teaching and even come to administration. 
And so talk to me about your sort of lived experience as it relates to how you then bring that to the forefront at a school sort of setting that is going through a transformative process. Um, it's it's a quite an interesting transformation. And the thing that I've noticed, um, I spoke about this a little bit earlier, is building the confidence um, in, of change. Um, one of the biggest things that people tend to do is they tend to feel fa- uh, fear failure. Um, and they tend to think their failure is a negative thing rather mm-hmm. than a growth op- opportunity or potential. And, you know, going from, I've been in the industry for about 20 years now and teaching in education, and I've noticed a, a, a huge change and shift in self-efficacy within the classroom and the ability for teachers to have the confidence and empowerment to, to go about doing what, they, what they're doing um, and still have their well-being in check, their mm-hmm. children's well-being in check, their curriculum up to date. So the changes come at a really interesting time because post-COVID, so we had the added stresses of, you know, well-being, uh, teacher and educator well-being, uh, and it, it um, paired with and accompanied with uh, curriculum outcomes, making sure we're all on time, and then bringing in this element of change, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it has it, it has been difficult in regards to getting people on board, seeing the same vision, but in saying that there isn't a single teacher who I work with, and I'm very, very lucky to work with such beautiful people, even though it may be uncomfortable to change, there, I don't think there is a people that I've spoken to who aren't willing to try. Right. So I think it's still the element of change. So that means for us when we look back at, okay, so what do we need to do? I think it's just a matter of we need to be persistent with our change. We need to make sure that everybody's on board by showing them what we what we have um, and what we can do and what they're capable of doing. I don't think they, I think they underestimate their capability mm-hmm. as well and their their power. A teacher is very powerful in this space. And I think um, empowering them to do so, but also taking them on this journey. So doing the vision and mission with them um, allowed them to experience that self-efficacy, the um, the autonomy within mm-hmm. that space, and then the contribution that they have to what school is going to in a transformation. Because it is so early in the in the piece and because we still have a lot of um, years left to go before we, we meet our goals, we know that it's going to take time mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot of patience. And I think it just needs, we need to just understand that everybody will get there in their own time. Um, at the same time, we will help guide as much as we possibly can. There are lots of people who are on board, you know, quite quickly because they can see it. Some are still struggling to get there, and, and that's okay mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, that the, the the old notion of meet people where we are. We know how critically important it is um, just to recognize that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You also have a really sort of interesting thing that's happening within the bigger, broader community where the school sits. There's lots of growth that's happening in the community. There's new housing developments. There's a new airport coming close to the school, which is bringing new industry and companies and corporations. This is literally an entire ecosystem or series of ecosystems that are in transition. And all of that's going to weigh heavily, positively and negatively on the school itself. And so from a leadership standpoint, how do you help the community grow within the growth that's happening around? How do you do that? So Unity Grammar is trying to, and we've already established this, one of the biggest, um, I guess, conversations we've had is not only taking our 
our learners out into the real world, but bringing the real world into Unity Grammar. Mm -hmm. So inviting those communities, inviting the infrastructure, inviting the people and the companies around to see Unity Grammar and to make it part of the the ecosystem. So, I I mean, this is I envisage that Unity Grammar would be an ecosystem that has many ecosystems around it and where we sort of entwine into different places um, at different times, and they do with Mm -hmm. us as well. Mm And I think um, inviting the community, inviting these places uh, to come in and, and visit our school, but also sending our school and preparing our, our learners to actually go into those spaces as well. So rather than having um, Unity Grammar being independent, if, if you think around it, I think quite the opposite. Let it be, uh, you know, transitional and let it allow the um, osmosis of things to move in and out at the school. And I think that's how we would like to see mm-hmm. Unity grow. It, it, sh- it shouldn't have to be. I mean, we want to be able to give our students as many opportunities as possible. And the only way to do that is for them to experience life, right. experience those communities and experience those different ecosystems, um, sending them out there and, and then giving them those opportunities to grow within those spaces as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so good for kids. And yet it can be a little bit daunting, the logistics of it. We talked about this earlier today, you know, when you when you open the school, any school environment um, to allow the outside in and to allow the school out, if you will, you you do in fact um, invite a level of complexity from a logistical standpoint, right? You know, how do you manage X, Y, or Z, and how do those new uh, existing or even emerging community partners figure out how to be engaged? with the school itself. Those those are very complex um, logistics for, for any place um, in the midst of doing a variety of pieces of work. So I think that it's an interesting quandary um, that you're going to have as part of this transformation as you figure all of those elements and pieces out. Absolutely. And while, we, while these processes are still in, in their infancy, we do have executives who are in those in those spaces already talking about um, doing those sorts of things so mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're just starting so it's a, it's it's quite exciting to see what the future will hold with you know the logistics and this you know and getting those structures out in place so that we can provide opportunities for our learners to engage with our operations so as we start I I really look forward to looking at what structure looks like Mm -hmm. and um, having as many people involved in that as well um, as possible because I think it's going to be very important to have um, a community around that um, and a group and a team that's going to flourish that that, that area and allow those particular relationships to grow um, well into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still we're still at the early stages yet, yeah, but there's lots of ideas, of course. And speaking to you today has given me so many ideas of what you know what I'd really like to see happen, and it's exciting. It's because we know that there is a possibility that these things can grow and flourish in, in, in the spaces that we're in. Oh, absolutely. There is so much potential and possibility. And the, the amazing thing is there's there, it's already happening. It's it's not a thing of the future. It's going on here right now. You can see it in every fiber of what's what's going on. So it's it's just it's fun place to come and be and just sort of feel like, you know, you have the chance to to absorb so much. Can we, you you mentioned COVID. Um, we're all tired of, of talking about the pandemic, and yet we're, we will be living the after effects of the pandemic for at least a generation, if not more. And so it's, I think, a mistake to 
to not address it kind of on an ongoing basis because you've seen the after effects. Your educators are just as tired as educators in South America, as educators in Europe, as educators in North America, as educators in Asia. The world, the world had this great pause, but it was exhausting. And we know it's taken its toll um, on the educational system. And so um, I'm just really curious how Unity is addressing that issue for your own practitioners, for your families, for your kids, because it's 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 top of mind for you. Oh, definitely. Um, one of the biggest things, and post-COVID, it was something I recognised. Um, I started something called an empowerment PD. Mm-hmm. So I basically brought in our, um, our educators and we just had a, it was like a de-stress session. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not, I'm no means a psychologist or anything. I just wanted educators to take a deep breath yeah. and just remind them of who they are and how impactful they actually are in, in the system. Because post-COVID, we, uh, I mean, a lot of educators, myself included, spent a lot of time in front of the computer yeah. staring at screens. And what was happening was there was a complete disconnect with the emotional and the relationship building between the teacher and the, and the student. And that's a vital part of being a school. I mean, for people who don't understand school systems, um, a teacher and a, a, and a career in teaching and educating is a completely different ball game. There is so much mm-hmm. um, stress on the curriculum, but there's the aspect of relationship building with your students and having those connections and building those strengths within the students that you can't do yeah. behind a screen. You don't see, I mean, if a, if a screen is off or someone's not um, putting their camera on, you don't see their emotion if they're tired, if they're not. So post that um there was there was there was a massive rebuild of you know trying to rebuild connections and, and establish connections with students from scratch mm-hmm. but also from the sense of the teachers themselves that they regaining that self-efficacy that confidence within themselves as teachers and then trying to manage what post-COVID looks like for a student because you walk into a classroom and there was still a lot of anxiety surrounding COVID and a lot of, you know, pressure around trying to understand what that looks like. And there were a lot of new things that educators didn't know. So it was just about empowering our educators to be in the space of reflection. Um, One of the biggest things was reflexivity, being able to not only reflect but actually be confident enough to act in in the space of being, you know, their classrooms, um, their their domains really. Uh, it was it was almost like reinviting teachers back into the workspace, but also having making sure that their mental health was was there and, and was supported and was um, given you know time to to readjust. Um, the school itself actually also offers um, PDs, professional developments um, around um, community building and bonding. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, this Friday we're heading off to Wollongong to do a massive team building activity. So the teachers are really um, going off to just have a bit of fun and yeah. just let their head down and um, be excited about you know connecting with others. Um, and and I think that's why we have such a great community of staff here. We do want to care for each other. We want to make sure that everyone's okay and. We want to make sure that everyone's cared for and, and taken care of in their space. 
I love the fact that you've, as a as a, an entire group, have put community and culture and identity, including self identity, um, so so top of mind, um, and so you can see it in, in lots of pieces. I always love to close the program by recognizing that our listeners do come from all over the world, and so they have a completely different sets of perspectives and experiences. And I think that's the value of the journey in so so many ways. But I always like to close recognizing that, you know, somewhere out there in the world, and maybe it's it's here in Australia, maybe it's it's, it's someplace else, there's a teacher that's listening to Miriam tell the story about what's happening at Unity Grammar, and it says, I so wish we could do. And yet, getting started is, is the hardest thing sometimes. You feel like sometimes we... As innovative educators, we feel like we are alone in this work, and we are not. And so I always love to close with, Miriam, what do you tell that teacher out there? What do, what do you say to them as they, they contemplate this effort? Maybe reflect on why you became a teacher. Find that inspiration within yourself because you inspire others. Mm-hmm. And if you inspire yourself and you recognize that inspiration, that can be the most impactful thing on the planet. So very well said. Absolutely, I agree with you. Miriam, thank you so very much for not only joining us on the program today, but thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Such a joy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.